In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning in the Gospel, we hear the familiar parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we have, of course, Lazarus, who's at the the gate of this rich man, and the, the rich man himself, who feasts sumptuously, it says, and clothed in purple and fine linen and all of that. And they both die. And the rich man finds himself in Hades, in torment, it says. And he looks up and he sees Lazarus, who is there in the bosom of Abraham. And he asks for relief, and he can't find any relief. And he asks even that Lazarus be sent to his brothers so that they would be able to repent. And then Abraham says something that is very powerful and, Lord willing, something that we can all think about because it's convicting for us. Because Abraham says to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. They won't even be convinced if someone were to go to them risen from the dead. That's a convicting statement for that man. That's a convicting statement for all of us because, of course, that's the position that we find ourselves in. We not only have Moses and the prophets... But we also have one who has risen from the dead, who has come to us, who tells us exactly how we are to live our life. And are we convinced? Does that push us enough to repent, to do the things uh, that this rich man did not do? Because this rich man, it doesn't say that he uh, kicked Lazarus as he was going by. It doesn't say that he spit on him. It just basically says that he ignored him. And remember, a couple weeks ago, we heard in the gospel, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's not enough for us to just not do negative and bad things to people. We must also do active, loving things to people. And that's where this rich man missed out in his life and what he was doing. Well, thankfully for us this morning, because we are celebrating the holy and mercenary healers Cosmos and Damien of uh, Mesopotamia, we have a very particular reading from the epistle that goes along with this gospel. We have that beautiful passage from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, the very end of chapter 12 and the beginning of chapter 13, one that's very familiar to us. It is that uh, epistle reading that is all about love. And St. Paul tells us in his words exactly what love is. But perhaps what is more convicting for us is not only should we be convinced by one who is risen from the dead, But we should also be convinced because that same one who is risen from the dead is himself love in the flesh. Because God is love, right? We know that from the scriptures. Jesus Christ is himself the word of God. And we know from the scriptures as well that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And and so, therefore, we know that Christ is himself love in the flesh. And so, as we look through the epistle reading that we have this morning, we can actually go through and where it says love is, we can look and remember the life of Christ and say, oh, that's what love looks like in doing that. And then ourselves, Lord willing, be a bit convinced. And so I'm going to go through just a couple of these with you. 
St. Paul says, love is patient and kind. One of the first things that I think of when I think of uh, Christ being patient and kind in the gospel readings uh, is the uh, event that he has with the woman who is caught in adultery. They bring her this woman. He's in the midst of teaching. She's been caught in adultery, and they want to stone her. And Christ, very calmly, patiently, kindly, starts to go onto the ground and write on the ground, and then he looks up and says, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And all of them were convicted, and all of them left, of course, except for Christ and this woman. And he doesn't condone the woman's action. She was guilty. He tells her to sin no more. But he was kind and patient with this woman, and he is patient and kind with all of us. Love, Christ, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Sometimes it says envy in in there. Christ, when he was uh, being tempted in the wilderness by the evil one, before he begins his ministry, after his baptism, he goes into the wilderness, and one of the temptations was that the evil one took him upon a high mountain and said, look out at the world. You can have all of this. Trade the mission that you're on. For this worldly glory. And he wasn't jealous of that. He wasn't envious of what the the, uh, evil one had in his control and in his power. He instead faced his mission, faced his ministry, faced his life. And did everything that was needed for us and for our salvation. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or arrogant. Sometimes this is, is translated as love does not parade itself. And when I think about Christ having an opportunity to parade himself, I think of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where he could have come with horses. The people were very excited. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. They were thinking that at any given moment he was going to overthrow the authorities. That was a time for him to be able to parade himself into the city of Jerusalem. But what does he do instead? We know he takes a humble donkey. And he rides into the city, making sure that the authorities knew that he was there so that they could do what they were going to do, which was to kill him, but not parading himself and bringing himself uh, in glory. He was not parading himself. He was not boastful, was not arrogant. Love is not irritable or resentful. Think about Christ on the cross. The last word, some of the last things that he said to the people as he looked out at his executioners. A time where at least I know what I would be thinking is justice and vengeance and revenge upon those who had done this to me. Christ looks at them and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Brothers and sisters, we could talk for hours about the many ways that our Lord shows love to us. We need to look no further than, of course, the cross and the resurrection. The real picture of what sacrificial love actually is. And what that rich man was called to do with Lazarus laying at his gate. And what we are called to do with everyone around us as well. 
Because again, not only do we have one who is risen from the dead, who comes to us and tells us exactly what we need to do in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but we have love in the flesh, who even before he is risen from the dead, is telling us and showing us by his example exactly what it is that we are to do. And we are called to be ourselves love in the flesh. We are Christians. We are marked with the sign of the cross. We partake of the body and blood of Christ ourselves. If we are to become and be Christians, not only in word but in action, then we are called ourselves to be love in the flesh. Love in the flesh. The opposite of what this rich man was doing. And so, brothers and sisters, with this gospel reading, may we be convicted at that question and that statement that Abraham makes to the rich man. And yes, we have Moses and the prophets. Yes, we even have one who has come back from the dead to warn us and to explain to us and show us exactly how we are to live. Let us be convinced. Let us be convinced, not only up here, but in our hearts and in our actions. And be like Christ, who lived out those words that St. Paul tells us today in the epistle. And that we ourselves might be love in the flesh. And then we will see the bosom of Abraham and we will be in the kingdom of heaven. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.